Everybody, last night was great. What a freaking season of baseball! Awesome All Star game. Uh, you had a great World Baseball Classic to start the year out. You've had a great season so far, unless you're a Sox fan. Uh, and an outstanding All Star break. It's been a fantastic season. The pitch clock has been a hit. My kids are going to the batting cage every day, creating the next generation of superstars, hitting those home runs. Love to see it. Hey, I saw I saw a good tweet today, and I'll tell you something. I've I've been waiting for robots for a long time, and uh, Aaron from Ship Hero, Aaron Rubin. Now I've been in this business since two thousand five, and it's been antiquated for a long time. This tweet is from July 11, twenty twenty three. This isn't from when I started in two thousand five, and it says, "Y'all talking about robots? Well, warehouses are still using printed pick sheets." Need some progress over here in Freight Tech with some of this stuff. Tim Payne says, I was in a 100,000-square-foot warehouse the other week, and they were picking with printed invoices. They didn't even have locations on them. Staff just knew. They just know where things are. It's like your own house. Kyle DeCentral says, for real, robots are the fetch of the warehouse. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Matthew Labonte, I still want a good replacement for a daily log notebook. And Mike Manson says, been working in trucking since 2008. Want to know the kind of response I get when I ask, when we'll go paperless? Just a big smile. Just a big smile. Hey, we got a great show today. And on it, we're going to catch up with Freightways' Rachel Premack, editorial director here. We're going to talk about Yellow's Last Stand, what's up with UPS, maybe even that Las Vegas sphere. Sure, she's a fan. Freight Grim Reaper, Henry Byers, the oracle of freight, the man who made the call that freight was falling off a cliff. He's on the show today, and he's got a brand new report, and he's talking about Ocean peak season already happening. Now, you've probably seen some headlines. You're all confused, right? We did a show on Monday. I talked about it. Next day, there's these headlines. Oh, there's freight's overflowing. Freight, that's the whole point of this segment. Freight is coming in. There's a lot of ocean freight coming in, but we're looking at the booking data overseas, and you'll see why it ain't great news. We've got Tyve Inks, Kreiner Konami. He's going to share his company's latest release of integrations for visibility across uh, all modes. Justin Martin, he's sick of online scammers, said he can make a million bucks with a box truck, so he's going to rant about it, plus a bunch of other stuff. So let's tip the band and get to the show. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best last mile delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use the code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight, F-R-A-Y-T. Go check it out after the show. Rachel Remack, Editorial Director of Freightways. What's going on, Rachel? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? I, I haven't seen you around uh, threads lately. You haven't seen me around? Uh, on threads lately. I'm not. I'm not a big threads person. I did tag you in a thread last night, though, about um, about croc sales. Apparently, they're one of the big things being purchased on uh one of the big things being purchased on Amazon, one of the top sellers. It's very brand heavy. Like when you go on to uh, when you go on to Threads on there. But the problem, like I don't have the habit. I don't. I never check it. I forget it exists. And then I'm like, oh crap, we got to put content on there. Or is Justin putting stuff on the What the Truck feed? And then I go and look, and I'm like, yeah, everybody forgot. I yeah, Threads is basically. I feel like on Instagram nowadays, everything in my feed is just influencers. It's not my actual friends or people who I know and I feel like threads is kind of the same where it's just a bunch of influencers kind of like farming for engagement and and clicks and likes and all that which is 
that's fine for them. I won't be I won't be helping them out though. I Are won't you- be involved. Now, you and I, we're both pretty good on social media. Do you think that Threads has legs for freight? I kind of don't because uh, one of the people over there, they said that they don't want a news focus. They don't want discussion. They don't want news. They don't want politics. They just want like a lot of fluff on there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, those are all kind of the hubs for freight conversations, especially more econ conversations. I see some folks posting Thread charts and other econ-related content on threads. Best of luck to them. It, it does get some engagement, but just the interface, I'm just used to Twitter. And also, I don't, I prefer to go on my laptop or desktop to, to do, you know, work things. And if I'm on my phone, I don't know. I just, I am not a fan. I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I like the dark alley and insanity of um, Twitter. People are more real about it. Like, LinkedIn is like unhinged and I think threads could be unhinged because people are trying to be like fake nice and like fake personalities versus like just being the real degenerate yeah. that they are. And I think that sort of takes away from it. You get to know people better when you know uh, their vices and um, the worst sides of them. Like you can find out on Twitter. Yeah. Now I got to ask you exactly. something. Exactly. You do Ra- find that out. <laughs> Rachel, let's take a look at the Las Vegas sphere real quick. Play this tape. I spent two centuries searching for the platinum chip. It's my invention, my property, mine! Now be a good courier and deliver it. I spent two centuries... How do you feel about the sphere? So a lot of people, it's been sort of controversial. I think it's freaking awesome. I don't know anything about the sphere. What is the sphere? So in Las Vegas, like, I actually saw them building it when I was down in Manifest, and they would, the Uber drivers would not shut up about it. And you'd see it in this big globe, and they're like, yeah, it's just going to be all LED screens. So it's like a 17,000-seat arena that the outside of it is that giant screen. So it's super Vegas. Like, I don't know if this would work in, like, a small, like, town or something, but, like, for Vegas, it's Pessa. I think Vegas can do whatever it wants, and it will be fine. Like, I think they can just they can go crazy. They can have the sphere. I mean, they've already got the Eiffel Tower there. I say go for it, Vegas. <laughs> My new dream, one day to have like a, a Freight Waves event inside that sphere. Come on, Craig. Let's make it happen. You and me. You and me. We're going to yeah. push forward. All right. Yeah. So things got awkward here yesterday. We ordered over here on Freight Waves TV. We ordered some new desks, some new equipment. And lo and behold, guess who delivered it? It was yellow. Yellow. <laughs> We've been talking a lot Ooh. about yellow. Um, I wasn't here. If I was, I would have tried to bring them like on the air to see if we could get some like live commentary <laughs> from some drivers. We didn't get that. But yellow, they just got a, a, a slight breath of life. Let's take a look at their stock really quick, though. It's been a wild, wild month. Like, look at this thing. It's been it, it looks like Wall Street bets got a hold of it. Um, it had fallen all the way down to yeah. 69 cents. Right. And that it shot up yesterday to like a dollar thirty three. Then it fell back to a dollar four. Now, the good news on this, if you're not like a pig getting slaughtered in the market, trying to get greedy the good news for yellow if you're older is it's no longer in delisting territory is it's over a dollar it's under a dollar for 30 days that, that would have been really bad yeah so what happened as you were uh describing there uh so yellow waived uh got got with the lending agreement with some of its a uh, group of lenders and the u.s treasury uh that group waived certain requirements with uh Yellow's agreement to how, how they could you know approach and structure their debt. Um, as a result of that agreement, Yellow will now have to deliver weekly um, liquidity reports on how much cash they have on hand. They also will have a financial planner and uh, 
analysts that, that will be appointed by that group of lenders to help um, create Yellow's budget. Uh, so this disagreement with the U.S. Treasury that goes on for one quarter and with the other group of lenders that will continue on for two quarters. And, uh, you know, Amit Metroha at Deutsche Bank mentioned in a uh, in an analysis piece uh, earlier this week that this just really shows that lenders at Yellow are seeing this sort of precarious position, as he put it, and they're just they just really want to increase their oversight to make sure the company remains solvent. You know, it was interesting. I was reading an article about this, and that's actually what helped the stock pump up yesterday. It shot up because of that waiver, and they were like, oh, maybe we got to get, get back in on yellow. And obviously, you know, some of the sharks out there saw that and were like, we're selling, we're pulling the rug. And it dropped. It dropped 22%. But um, what's interesting is, you know, we talk about this, the UPS strike, and we talk about the yellow strike. But the Brotherhood of Teamsters, right? Sean O'Brien, he represents both these groups. And one thing I heard was the attention that UPS is getting right now is diverting from the attention that yellow needs in this strike. Is that true? I would say, well, UPS has more than 300,000 Teamsters members. Yellow is around 22,000. So it makes sense that um, Sean O'Brien would be a bit more focused on UPS. Um, on the other hand, what I've also heard from sources who I've spoken to for you know, articles coming up and previous articles is that UPS just has a, more money. You know, they're going to be more able and more likely Teamsters will to be able to um, secure certain labor wins that they might be looking for. Yellow, as we've been talking about, is in a more financially precarious situation. So it makes some sense for Teamsters to be a little bit more focused on UPS, given the size of the company, as well as the potential for wins. Um, it's also UPS is also just a more well-known company. And I think part of what Teamsters is doing is trying to have sort of a PR campaign for folks um, who maybe aren't in a union but are in a sort of company that could be unionized to see, oh, Teamsters is, you know, fighting really hard. They're really uh, militant, again, as using Sean O'Brien's words. And maybe I should, you know, look into organizing with Teamsters. So I think these are kind of some of the reasons why Teamsters uh, is a bit more focused than UPS right now. Well, let's talk about that because that UPS strike now – both are dire in their own ways, but Yellow's is a little bit more in-house. Like, they can actually go bankrupt over this. This could be the end of the line for their company. Um, if things don't improve, things don't change. Or UPS is not going to go out of business, but it's going to have financial impact. For example, Mark Solomon just put out an article, and he said the strike could cost UPS 30% of diverted volume. And 30% is a number that's going against 18.6 million parcels in the U.S. per day, Rachel. Yeah, so that's definitely one one of the many kind of risks that come along with the UPS strike is that more volume would likely go to FedEx in particular. Perhaps uh, Amazon may also be carrying more of its own packages or the U.S. postal system. So it's something that could probably be a win for FedEx in particular, which has been uh, struggling over the last year or so. Uh, but it could result in sort of long-term diversion of freight uh, to other carriers, or it could be more of a short-term diversion considering, depending on how real the risk of strike is and how long a potential strike goes on for. Now, so 97% of UPS members have voted to authorize this strike if the contract is not reached by July 31st. The Teamsters represent, you said, 340,000 UPS employees. I had someone in the What the Truck community last night, a driver, and he was saying, 
you know, I know I see that number, but I bet there's a ton of drivers that are at UPS right now that they don't want anything to change. They got kids in school. They like where they live. They're fine with the job. They don't they're not in that period of life where you want a bunch of change to happen. But it looked like there's some good news in Mark's article. If you, if you don't want to be a part of the union, you still want to be you agree with UPS. You want to be with UPS. You don't want your life to change in a lot of states. You, you can just walk right out of the union. The union themselves said that you can ask to revoke your membership. So there is some leeway if you're an employee and you don't necessarily want to get caught in the middle of this, right? Yeah, it's, it's interesting when you look at certain uh, laws in certain states. I've also noticed this just talking to yellow rank and file uh, I've noticed that uh, yellow rank and file based in you know the upper Midwest or the Northeast or California sort of more union stronghold areas of the country. They're definitely like, being they're definitely a little bit more um, gung ho with Teamsters, I'd say. And I've noticed talking to folks based, especially in the Southeast, that they're thinking you know there aren't that many union companies. I'm just gonna accept what I've got going on for me here. Um, not try to rock the boat too much because I don't really have any other alternatives other than yellow when it comes to, you know, a, a unionized job. So I could certainly imagine that quite a lot of uh, Reagan UPS also kind of feel that same way. Yeah. And the math on here says if uh, if the diverted volumes, let's say this happens, volumes are diverted, uh, could result in 4,300 lost driver jobs a um, few thousand pack handlers, and that's for every one million packages diverted. So there's a lot at stake here, a lot to watch. Um, I know USPS, they, they just put out Ground Advantage, which is their two- to five-day transit time. So other carriers are scrambling to pick up what might fall through the cracks here. Do you have any indication on this? You talked to some Teamsters. Do you think either of these companies strike by August 1st? So UPS, um, just based on some folks I've talked to, they seem less concerned with the potential for a strike just because, as we've been discussing, the economic uh, results of such a strike for UPS would be not just dire for the company, but also kind of for the overall U.S. economy. Um, So folks I've spoken to aren't, uh, you know, really betting on on the UPS uh, strike. For, for kind of the reason we've been discussing and because UPS does have the money to um, fund and, and continue some of these, uh, you know, union benefits. On the other hand, Yellow, Yellow is a company that we've seen kind of teetering on the edge of bankruptcy for uh, since about 2008, 2009. So the likelihood of a bankruptcy there is certainly uh, more pronounced. And it's more pronounced than it has been in years past, because in years past, the U.S. government might uh, lend a hand, might help out with with certain, um, you know, obviously the $700 million loan in 2020. But also in previous years, teachers was they were more keen to give concessions and see ways that they could, uh, you know, give money back to Yellow. Uh, Yellow no longer has that support from Teamsters, so a risk of bankruptcy in Yellow's case is a bit more pronounced, uh, according to folks who I've talked to, than it has been in years past. Yeah, well, we'll get you all the up-to-date information on this. Anything that breaks through, make sure to follow Rachel, me, Freightways on social media. What's coming up in modes, Rachel? I've got another piece on Yellow coming out, talking to some rank-and-file folks and learning a little bit about what they're, uh, what they're thinking about this standoff between Teamsters and Yellow. Very cool. And now, before I let you go, it's poll of the day. What is your favorite freight logo? 
Okay, this is a weird one, but because I've been so steeped in LPL the last few weeks covering yellow, I do like, you know, RIP, but the consolidated uh, freightways, uh, consolidated freight, I think they've got a great, great logo. The green and orange is very bold. I like it. I think it's it's bold and unusual. We don't see it around anymore, but bold and unusual. You're wrong. It's the FedEx logo. Show that right here. It's brilliant. It's so simple. It's got the arrow between the E and the X. You know what I found out today? Like 20% of people, and this is transportation people I polled. Like my entire network is mostly just transportation people. Nearly only like 80% knew the arrow was there. So 20% of people got informed that there's an arrow in that logo and you'll never unsee it once you see it. Also, if you look at the Arabic FedEx logo, that also has an arrow in it. As the arrow, I believe, is going the other way. So it doesn't work as well. Look it doesn't that up integrate like the EX. Yeah. I have it. Just doesn't work as well. It's there, but it doesn't work. All right, Rachel. I'll let you go. Well, take care. Anyone wants to look, look at them? You're out of time. See you later, Rachel. All right, everybody. Take care, Rachel. Meanwhile, hi, I'm Robert Lee. I own Coleman Liquidation. I sell mobile homes. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm going to tell it just like it is. These are mobile homes, not mansions. They come in two pieces. If that's what you're looking for, that's what I got. They're used. Some of them have stains. We cover that up. She decorates them. She sells them. These guys help me move them. bouncer in Birmingham hit me in the face with a crescent wrench five times. And my wife's boyfriend broke my jaw with a fence post. So if you don't buy a trailer from me, it ain't gonna hurt my feelings. So come on down to Coleman Liquidation and get yourself a home. Or don't. I don't care. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. I want. I, I need a mobile home. I need a mobile home. Excellent. No, it's Krenner Komani, CEO and founder at Type Inc. Krenner, you, you, you uh, bought a mobile home. You want to get in that business with me? It looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> that looks like a lot of fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Going from FedEx logo to that, that was a good one. <laughs> by the way, by the way, we're, we're kindred spirits. Now, show this picture of him with his race car. I got to drive a stock car a month ago at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. So now we've both been on the racetrack, oh, Krenner. But God. now we have to now we got to square up against each other. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's do it. <laughs> well, hey, you uh, speaking of racetracks, you guys are going full speed ahead with a new product release that ties together APIs, the visibility that you guys are working on with your sensors and all that. What you do a better job than me. Tell everybody what this new release is. Yeah, so the new release is pretty exciting. I think you guys all know what we do with the trackers, customers, press a button, put it on a shipment. They get to know exactly where the shipments are throughout the globe and also their condition, how hot, wet, cold. And what we've done is sometimes what we've noticed is customers moving through ocean freight or moving through air freight, and it goes to the port, and then obviously tracker stops connecting because it's in the middle of the ocean. It stores all this data with temperature points, humidity points, all the accelerometer data, shock data, light data. But at the end, it waits until it gets to the other port where it connects to another cellular tower and uploads all that data. In the meantime, between port A and port B or airport A and airport B, there is no data points uh, uh, that we used to show. So what we've done is actually we've integrated with uh, 
carriers and, and various providers out there to, you can, as customer, you can now give us the container number, you can give us the airway bill number, you can give us the bill of lading and we'll be able to track in real time where the shipment is in the middle of the ocean. We can also track in the middle of the air, so air freight, similar to like FlightAware and all these things that you've seen. Uh, so now customers get, get much better user experience and they know exactly where their shipment is. But what's cool about this is because if a customer has a tracker on the actual cargo and it's, there's a transloading happening, a container is supposed to go from, from one ship to the next, you would think maybe it went and the vessel tracking would show maybe that it's going to another ship. But what if the tracker is showing that it's still pinging at the port? Now you know it actually hasn't gone to that vessel and it's still at the port and your schedule said it's already left, but it actually hasn't. Now you can contact the carrier, see exactly what's happening with the container. You get real-time information if a shipment's stuck at a tarmac at the airport, but you thought the airplane left or it's stuck at a port uh, and a container is still showing there with a real-time tracker and you thought that maybe the, the container has been loaded or offloaded from the ship. It's pretty, pretty customers really love that. You know, my kids, they, we ordered a transformer on June 20th. We've been waiting for it from Amazon, and it's been like, handed off to UPS and just lost. I need a Tive tracker on my, my kids' transformers. And, <laughs> and, and I'm really curious about Which what, transformer who, did you get? It's Scourge from the, the uh, Robo. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, Scourge from the new Rise of the Beast. But the problem is, like, they, they didn't make enough, so it's all sold out. So now that this one, like, they, they don't have it. And if you want another one, you get to get it from, like, other sellers, and it's $110 before it was 30 It's like, uh, forget it. But I'm, now I'm curious, what is, what's looking out the window behind you? <laughs> you remember you we have the we have all those crazy commercials we have one where it goes into like to mars yeah and the guy is wearing the space suit and he goes to mars with tive tracker and this is the actual space suit of the guy that we we designed uh the team designed when they did the video <laughs> it's uh it's pretty cool and he's got a little tracker right there <laughs> oh that thing is awesome but from the back i thought the, it was like, a like he the, the the actor actually wore the suit this is like a space suit obviously made up um, but <laughs> one day you're going to have like the Tive Hall of Fame and you're going to you're going to have all these suits and everything hanging. And I can't wait to visit when I'm, when I'm in Boston. So, hey, t how does this work? So before you, you didn't have all the data points. So how did you connect them all? How does this work? And what's the customer experience? That's the right. The customer experience now is much better. So what they get to see is in real time, the location of the shipment, no matter where it is, whether it's over the road, over the rail, whether it's on the middle of the ocean or uh, up in the air. And what we've done, as I mentioned, now we're using data from vessels. We're using data from where, where the actual container is uh, on the vessel. And we're using data on where the actual airplane is in real time. And we're providing that experience to the customer. And when, what happens is when you, the tracker and the actual cargo gets at the end of the destination or gets to the port, all the data that got stored here, the temperature data, humidity data, shock data, light data, gets uploaded to the cloud. And then we interpolate that data with all the points that we got in real time, in the middle of the ocean, in real time on the air. Now you, there's been a light excursion or temperature excursion, you know exactly where it happened uh, compared to just having two data points, port A to port B in a straight line. Now you're seeing in real time where the vessel is and you're seeing in real time where the airplane is. It has to be huge in, in pharma, right? Where, where you have super high levels of temperature control that you have to adhere to? Yeah, it's very big. So good, good point. Pharma, other temperature uh, related products. Imagine you're on a tarmac and it's sitting at the airport and you thought that it was going to go from one to, to a particular air carrier. 
and you go to airway bill, you type airway bid number, the actual track, like flight flew. It looks great if you do that. But what if the tracker is showing that it's still there and the temperature is rising and your airway bill thinks that the, the shipment's already left? With Tive, now you know that actually it hasn't left. And if it did, obviously this will stop connecting because it's on the middle of the air and you'll be able to see that real-time data uh, on the air freight. But if it didn't make it on the tar, if it didn't make it inside the plane, you'll be able to know that it didn't make it inside the plane. You can actually call a carrier and do something about that really fast instead of doing something about it 12 hours from now, which could be like a, a, in pharma cases or even in food and perishables, 12 hours above a certain period of time. It's, uh, it's just might as well, you have to throw the shipment away. Yeah. So if you're like, if you're a current time customer, for example, is there anything new you have to do? Anything different that you have to do? The, the one difference that now you can do, which is, which is exciting, is when you create a shipment, you can actually put the airway bill number that you have or put the container ID. Uh, and based on that, we'll be able to track the container in real time or even the air freight in real time. So this, this just launched, so you probably haven't gotten a ton of feedback, or, or have you? What are people saying? We have, we have. No, we have customers already on it. I would say it's been, it's been in beta testing for many months now, and we've launched it, I would say, a couple of months, three months ago to more customers, and, and now it's fully, fully launched for the public and more also the press release. Yeah. No, this is, this is amazing stuff, especially for people who get infuriated just by seeing ETAs with long windows of time where you have no idea where your goods are. We're talking about very high-value cargo, very sensitive cargo. You want to know where it is. But I got to tell you, are these, getting, are these getting more penetration in like more general freight that isn't as delicate, is, that isn't as sensitive? That uh, we are getting there. We're going there. Some logistics companies really love this service now, especially with tracking containers and tracking airway bill numbers. I think that just makes it easier for them. They don't have to have a straight line going from port A to port B and just wait what's going to happen in the ocean. But on the general air, on a general freight, we are still working on making this even more cost effective. As I've said before, we sell it in the 50 or less, depending on volume, uh, dollar range. And the more customers we get, the more cost effective. And we're working on innovative solutions to make this more cost effective so we can bring a total addressable market to a larger size, but also get to customers who have freight that's less in value, uh, even if it's less sensitive, even if it's uh, uh, not temperature uh, sensitive, so that they can actually get visibility 100% of the time. I love it, man. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. Where do people go to learn more, to sign up for this, to start getting this, this tracking? Tive.com, click on get a demo or check our prices or contact sales, whichever button uh, is there, and we'll immediately get back to you or just send us an email at sales at Tive.com. Now, question of the day, I'm asking everybody this. You can't pick Tive because I know you'd pick Tive. What is, your, <laughs> what is your favorite freight logo that isn't Tive's? Oh, man, you, you picked it. It was, uh, for me, it's FedEx, especially yeah. that arrow and the hidden arrow is a... Uh, it, 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 by the way, I did a video on LinkedIn. If you go on LinkedIn, you can see what Tive actual logo means. Yeah. And I did a whole analysis on the anatomy of our logo. And I mentioned FedEx on the post because the arrow there is pretty exciting on what they've done that. And it's how hidden it is. But I, I don't know if anyone else can beat that one. It's a no, pretty it's cool so, logo. It's, like, it's just simple and perfect. And it, it, it's like, even before you notice the arrow, psychologically, it's in your head. And then when you do see it, you, you see that before you even see FedEx. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, 
Krenner, awesome stuff. A really great catching up with you. Thank you so much for stopping by the show. I got to get down to Boston to try on that uh, spacesuit one day. Awesome. Let's do it. Right, <laughs> Actually, I'm not in Boston. I'm Where in Europe. Now? I'm in our Kosovo office. Which but, one? Uh, oh, Kosovo. Kosovo. Yeah, I'm going back tomorrow. But we Even have- better. Boston's old hat. I've been to Boston a billion times. I'll come down to Kosovo. We'll do a commercial. You, should, you gotta see. You got. You come to Kosovo, and when you come to Boston, you gotta see. We have a wall with showing uh, Charles River, but also showing a uh, uh, Paul Revere. Oh, sick, like man. All the way from, all the way where you ran all the way to Lexington, kind of telling that the British were coming. It's a pretty cool story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Always good seeing you. Good seeing you, too. See you. Take care. All right, everybody. Sit the band. This episode of What the Truck is sponsored by Last Mile Delivery Leader Freight. When you need the best Last Mile Delivery drivers and vehicles, look to Freight. Sign up and get your first three deliveries free up to $300. Go to Freight.com and use the code FIRST3FREE. That's Freight, F-R-A-Y-T. Dot com. All right, elsewhere. Lady here. If you look at the screen, Henry, she's sniffing chocolate while eating her broccoli. Well, I think she's trying to like diet and stay thin, mm-hmm. so she's like the inhalant of the chocolate will flavor her broccoli. <laughs> I wonder if that works. It seems like the consistency of broccoli and chocolate like, wouldn't work. Especially after COVID. Especially after. Oh, did you have like a lot of broccoli taste? No, some people were saying that their smell, they're going around smelling like rotten meat. Coffee smells like rotten meat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, to see if you had COVID or not. Exactly. Hey, what's up? By the way, we were like, we're like brothers behind the, uh, behind the wheel now. We got the white minivan mafia. Check this out right here. You come to the Freightways Park and (laughs) mess around when you see that there. That's, uh, that's the buying you got, because you got the white side mirrors. I got the black ones. Yeah. The white dragon. Yeah, see, this one they got the blackout kit on. You kind of have the blackout kit, but they didn't go full bore. Yours looks sharp, man. They, they did an improvement there on that body style. You know, I thought the funniest thing ever when I was at the, when I was at the dealer, because they have different models, and it's a minivan, and it's the sport model. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I went for the Elite, because we, uh, we wanted the Blu-ray player for the kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, yeah. I, I made a deal with the kids, because we really like the, the, the sport blackout. And with the screen, you only get one screen. So I bought them each 10-inch fire pads. We just put those on like the back of the seats right there, and they're hooked up and they're super. Happy. Yeah, I basically get those and because uh, they're not offering that option anymore. I don't think on any car. Yeah. And uh, I mean, think about it. Blu-rays, DVDs, they're they're bound to go obsolete. But they, uh, I mean, <laughs> doing the iPads, we're, we're hesitant, but inevitably we'll have to. Well, let's take a look right here at the Freight Grim Reaper. Show this little, <laughs> show this little meme I made. This is the Oracle here. He's killed Asian. He's come for peak season 2022, and now you're coming. For peak season 2023, let's look at your first chart over here and tell me what is going on with Ocean Freight because I just read an article from Greg Miller that was like, Ocean Freight's back, Ocean Freight looks great, Ocean Freight's looking good. And I've seen that in the sonar charts too, but your charts show me the future. Yeah, well, you know, as that volume arrives, right, this is why this data is so important. It's looking at origin. So, so those trends will show up, you know, 30 days from now. Um, and we're looking at, you know, all U.S. or all global ports uh, for U.S. imports. And what we're seeing here is, you know, we were expecting to see when they hit their year-to-date highs, we would see some type of peak season. Um, and, and based on the next chart, we're kind of in, in the forward look. You see in white there um, is all pointing towards, um, you know, uh, where bookings volumes are headed. So you see the peak. We peaked actually, I think it was around uh, June 22nd in the bookings volume. So that's looking even further upstream. You know, the cargo ready dates, the factories, and obviously the shippers are booking um, cargo. So looking at that volume as far upstream as you really can have visibility into based on bookings. Yeah, you know, it's sort of like if you plan a party, right? Let's say you're a shipping manager and you, and you plan a party. If you only look at the chart of volumes coming into the United States, 
You're only, you only know who's coming to you. only know who's at your door. You don't know who's coming to your door. Mm -hmm. How do you plan for a party if you have no idea how many people are or are not coming? And this is what's showing us. And it looks like the party isn't going to be that great come this fall. Yeah, that bookings index trend is really significant. Um, and, and, you know, I talk to, you know, large importers, you know, obviously in VOCCs, freight forwarders quite often. And um, the consensus is not only that this is going to be a weak peak season, but it may be all downhill from here, um, even though it may not be a cliff necessarily. Well, let's take a look at the TEO rejection index, which is our next chart over here. What is this telling us? This is telling you how um, effectively that volume is loading on vessels. So, you know, based on capacity, um, you know, how, is that volume increase leading to any significant tightening of capacity? And just like our truckload rejection index can be very much a leading indicator of pricing. And if you look at that, that April 15th right there, or in mid-April, you can kind of see why carriers were able to pass through a GRI. In, they, in my opinion, they were artificially um, reducing capacity or at least declining bookings in a way that ultimately enabled them to um, kind of worry importers, shippers enough to where they were able to pass through a rate increase. Let's take a look at this, this next chart here. So give us some more fundamentals. What, what's going on here? This is lead time. So, so you know, when, you, when volume, or excuse me, capacity gets tight, um, you know, you, importers are not just going to keep, you know, their, their you know, amount of time in advance of um, vessel's departure that they're making those bookings at seven days. They're going to give themselves an extra buffer. I mean, you know this. You worked in the business. Sure. Um, that's kind of the first thing you do because that's very easy to do, right? Typically, the cargo is ready. So you just basically say to your team, hey, we need to make these you know, a little further out because the carrier's enough time uh, and just make sure that we're giving our, our volumes a chance of getting space. And it's very clearly a downtrend that has not had any significant change um, outside of any major holiday. And it just, to me, says that the urgency around these imports, um, and again, based on the article I'd written prior, the cautiousness, I can't express that enough, the cautiousness of importers in the second half it's arguably as great as it's ever been um, due to the inventory problem, uh, due to the macroeconomic headwinds, and, and just the, the shifts in consumer trends, which are obvious at this point. Now, when we talk about capacity, when you, when you think of, of trucking, capacity-driven market, right? It's all about volume and capacity. Ocean's not that much different. I mean, the biggest difference between ocean is they're a little bit more cartel-organized. There's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot fewer of them, so it's much easier to price control. And you can see things that you don't really see in the spot market. You don't see something go like a dollar up to... $13 or $25 a mile, but an ocean freight, you can see a container go from $1,000 to $25,000 and then fall all the way back down to earth. What's going on with capacity? They built too many ships, so they scrapped too many ships. What's happening? Yeah, but what's important and why we did it this way is we're looking at the vessel's departure date. So if you want to look at like what capacity is truly like at origin, you have to calculate it in this way. So this is basically you know all of the vessels that are these bookings are being made onto um, and calculating it that way on a moving 14-day average. And what we can see here is a steady uh, upwards trend. However, it's not any type of significant, you know, boom in, in any given time. And that, that to me says that the rate at which carriers are kind of um, blanking, either blanking sailings or retiring vessels, scrapping vessels, obviously the amount of capacity that's, that's set to come online through the remainder of 2023, um, it's reasonable to suspect this, this trend would continue. But as far as this impact on pricing, this is what is important. Um, that rate at which it's increasing, in my mind, is not as um, important as, you know, the demand really drives pricing uh, for ocean container freight. And what we're seeing in the demand trends, um, clearly, you know, while capacity is slowly increasing, it's just a, you know, a recipe, perfect ingredients for, um, you know, rates to break through their bottom. 
How about top U.S. ports? Let's take a look at the top 10 U.S. ports and what kind of activity we're seeing here. And then after that, I'm going to throw a couple blowbacks at you. <laughs> hey, yeah, go ahead. None of the, uh, this is what's really interesting about this chart, in my opinion. So this is the top 10 U.S. ports. And, um, you know, people like, uh, is it John Cowan? Uh, you know, really the Malcolm McLean's, um, you know, apprentice, the, the father of container freight. Um, he does it at this format. I think it's a real smart way to do it. So look at the top 10 ports. They're really driving the volume. Those markets are the really the biggest, you know, uh, are going to have the biggest impact on uh, the economy. And so if you're looking at that, the, the white line actually was 50,000 TEUs, less than um, 2019, already through the first half. And so what I'm saying is that start of that downwards trend, that peak, I said, you know, as we get into July, early, um, you know, Q3 or mid-Q3, we're likely to see a detachment. Um, of those volumes. And in my mind, similar to how it happened in January, February this year, we could drop um, anywhere from 10 to 20% in my mind, based on what happens economically between now and then, um, for, you know, for volumes to be below 2019 levels in the second half. Now, we've talked about a few things here. Now, you mentioned a, a GRI. That's something you hadn't heard much this year. Mm -hmm. Just the other day, I saw a vessel map. I hadn't seen a vessel map in like at least a year. <laughs> since, since, since COVID lockdowns. It was that just, that yeah. was like Freight Twitter right. 2021 was like just, and LinkedIn was just like vessel maps everywhere. Yeah. But now there's like, what, 20 boats up in Vancouver, ports in um, California say they're not going to touch diverted Canadian freight. When we look at this, what about that? What about these spinning plates, right? These mm -hmm. landmines. What can that do to these potential projections and pricing as well? Well, I mean, I'd be an idiot to say that a black swan event wouldn't be capable of disrupting the market. I mean, based on the past, what, two, three years, even since the trade war. Um, in my mind, none of this has been significant enough to, 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 to have any impact on market conditions. Uh, the pure fundamentals are driving what's happening right now. And I think uh, carriers are getting very concerned. You saw Zim announcement this morning, I mean, revising down on guidance. Um, those car carriers are aware. And again, this goes back to like the rejection, goes back to capacity. They, if you look at what's happening there with rejections not going above April 15th levels when they arguably artificially were rejecting freight to keep upwards pressure on spot rates, I think right now they're getting exposed and then they know it and they know that everybody's very much in tune that this is going to be a weak peak season. And in my mind, again, the downwards pressure is so extreme that I think, you know, people like Zam are going to have no choice but to undercut their competition on spot rates. And that's just going to force the market down. And we could go back to 2016 levels when Honda went bankrupt. Now, do you think Prime Day, we're in, we're in Prime Day, it's the last day of Prime Day. Don't know if any of y'all out there bought anything. Um, I haven't seen any great deals. We bought some stuff. You got anything for Prime Day? I saw these Apple, you know the Apple earbuds? The, yeah. The third generation didn't have that earpiece, so they like fall out of your ear. Have you ever put them on I, when they I, fall out of your ear? So I used to have a pair. I hate I that. I flew to Las Vegas, I was sitting there, and it, it popped right out of my ear. Into the side. I never found it again. I know. So see, yeah, I was, I was if anything, mostly disappointed by that because uh, my wife was wanting some, but no, man, not, not any great deals. And again, what's happened in the last couple of years? I mean, I, I know this is true. The data, you know, obviously is not just getting told like it should be. Again, why we've become so uh, important, or just you know putting it out there like um, like the market's telling us, um, you know, essentially credit card. I mean, if you think about what's going on right now, yeah, uh, people are strapped. They are um, debt. I mean, I know that's true. So I don't think Prime Day is going to have any significant, um, you know, upside. I have done some channel checks though, and some some of the guys they said, hey, I had a great day yesterday. Now their margins aren't great because. Amazon's tough, and you've mm -hmm. got to put, like, if you guys haven't done Prime Day, and, and I don't know as much as, like, a, a Molson Harder or someone, but you've you got to spend all this money and have all these sales and, like, cut your margins to mm -hmm. hell, and you're competing against so much, but they're all saying they're doing well. Could it be a catalyst to restart the order cycle? Do you think a lot of shippers are going to look at this and decide what they need for the holiday? It's certainly a way to burn through inventory. Um, you know, I won't deny that, but I think, again, what, 
what's being outlaid for, for the second half. I mean, peak season starts early. It's usually, you know, the last two years, it's, it's started its downward trend or, or the peak rate was reached in July. Um, all these things considered, I, I just think it's too late at this point. I, I, I think that heading into 2024, it'll be more significant for, um, for volumes in, in, you know, next year. But as far as this year, I don't think anything can really save us at this point. If anything, there's just downside risks that continue to mount in a really uh, big way. West Coast containers under a thousand buck average at any point? Uh, well, I think they're very close. You know, the, yeah. the last DRI was not successful. It's continuing that downward trend. And it, I was looking at, you know, technical stock charts. It, I forget what they called it. It's like a, a, a bearish pennant yeah. um, where it's kind of doing uh, this right here, you know, downwards. Yeah. And if you were to look at that in fundamentals and that was a stock, you would very much uh, look at shorting it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, if you want to read that whole report, go to FreightWaves.com or just Google FreightWaves Henry Byers. It'll be the, the first link that comes up. I've been polling everybody. I've been asking him this today. Favorite freight logo? Can't pick FreightWaves. Can't pick your own company. Can I pick one that has gone out of business? You absolutely can. Oh, I had to go with the Access America Transport, the true OG, uh, where I started my career here in, in Chattanooga. And, uh, you know, the, the people who work there, man, are running you know, some of the largest brokerages out there. And, and you know, the, the impact it's had overall, Ted Alling and that group, um, undoubtedly my favorite. That's your favorite. All right. You know me. I picked FedEx. <laughs> hey, well, once you see the arrow, you can never not see it, right? You can never not see it. It's my funny. second favorite probably be NEMF. -E my, uh, my, speaking of fallen flags, my fallen flag truck right up here. Thank, fall, fall, yeah, that one. This one right here. Yep. My, my, bro my son is a big fan of DHL. Is he? he very much, well, it's very recognizable in, in the orange, or excuse me, the yellow and red. I think it's got a little McDonald's flavor going on. He's going to be like, what, two now? Three? He's three. Three. Wow getting up there yeah man talking up a storm it's hey welcome to the club welcome to the club pretty soon you'll be coming to d-bat with us today. i was, bats, man. I was thinking about things to put on you like you were talking about the jeep you know putting the ducks or whatever yeah. that is what we could do and I was oh thinking, yeah for a white minivan what, what, what do you got uh well i was thinking man there's an obvious connection to odysseus in yes. uh, the odyssey okay so either a homer homer simpson yes but honestly i uh maybe just uh, maybe just a real deep, deep quote philosophical quote maybe. really make somebody's head spin a little card but i uh yeah i was thinking that would just be, you know, weird unless you had some objective. Like the duck, if that yeah. was a marketing ploy, yeah, it'd be genius. It would selling those rubber ducks. Well, Henry, thank you so much for coming by the show. Hey, man, appreciate it. Yeah, congratulations on that white mini Take care. I don't know why I'm shaking your hand, but I am anyway. <laughs> hey, man, this is what dads do, right? <laughs> yes, they do. You got to shake hands. <laughs> nice firm one. See, man, he's got to go. He doesn't get the kind where, like, you know, some guys will try and like break your hand when he does it, and that would suck because I was at the batting cage yesterday, and like, I got, I got baby hands, man. I like, I, the, I hit a dinger really hard, but it also like. It still stinks. Still stings a day later. I'm not afraid to cry. All right, let's bring up Justin Martin, the super trucker. Hey, thanks for having me. The interesting. I like the horn. There's like a little yeah, echo to that one, too. Upgrade. What, wait, what do you think of the sphere? What do you think of the Las Vegas sphere? I, I can't believe people are like crapping on it. It's so Vegas. I, it's the best. We live in the future. We need more like cool future stuff. I know, I, like, I've been yelling the other day about how, like, what happened to American awesomeness, right? American, uh, be the best, be the biggest, right? Like, what happened to American maximalism? And that is maximalism as hell. The one thing that would be really annoying, though, is, like, if you look in that flat valley, because Las Vegas is flat as hell, there's, like, all these residential houses on the other side of the Strip that have to look at this yes. MFing thing every single night. Nobody cares about the people who live there. It's all about listening. <laughs> You're in Vegas. Get out of your house. What are you staring at the orb from? Or and if you are, maybe yeah. something's cool on it. Well, hey, a big thing that you are very passionate about is online trucking scams. Not being a scammer, calling out scammers. Let's watch a video and we'll discuss. Is a moneymaker. You always remember that. Now, a box truck, 
is guaranteed to make you at the least a million dollars a year. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Larry's got some pipes. Boy, stop lying to them people. <laughs> <laughs> that type of money with one box truck if you're hauling something i-l-l-e-g-a-l and we know we don't do that <laughs> so, first of all how much money will you make with a box truck in a year what is like the average do you know these days nothing um some with rates being what they are i've talked to some guys you know you would have to run twenty six hundred uh dollars a day for an entire year, no breaks whatsoever to even make a million dollars on a truck. So that right there is just out the window. There are people running class A, uh, class A's running class A trucks that aren't making anywhere near that right now. Um, so yeah, I, I stumble across these guys. I have no idea who they are. So I reach out to, into the comments and I'm like, hey, please tell me who these people are. And then I find like the more posts by them. And it's, it's the same song and dance every time. They're just trying to sell you a course to make a buck. And then they just toss you to the wolves. That's, that's it's crazy to think about too, because like for example, right now, and this happens every time we're in a down market, but we've been in a year long down market, so we're starting to see all of our owner operator friends starting to share their P and Ls with us, and like yeah. they're all thinking to go in company. They're like, this is this is this is not the dream. This is a liability. Why was I stupid enough to get a truck? And all the guys in Europe start chiming in. They're like, yeah, why do you dumb Americans think it's such a dream to get a truck? Like, where are you even to park the damn thing at night? That's the American dream is being your own boss, working yeah. for yourself and making your own path. I totally get it. It's a it's a great message, but not enough people are given like the full picture of what it takes going into this. You, you got to know your operating costs right up front. And you got like you're a business owner now too. Like it, yeah. you gotta you gotta figure out how to get loads. And if you don't figure out how to get loads, and you're not good at sales, you're gonna be on load boards, right? And you're gonna be eating crap in times like this. So when you decide to become a business owner, get a truck. Not only like do you, like a regular business owner sit behind their desk, pick up the phone, call people, do all the crap that brokers do. Now you gotta drive a truck and manage all that crap. Yeah, no, that's why a lot of guys prefer to like me. I, I always prefer to be a company driver because I didn't want to deal with any of that stuff. I'm there to do my job. I'm, I hope that I'm really good at it. But then when I'm done with the job for the day, it's in the rearview mirror. I don't want to have to be thinking about all the other stuff I got to worry about when I'm not driving. Now, if you got like a family, like you got a wife that likes the business or something like that, or you got a partner that likes the business, that could be helpful. Like they don't have to ride yeah. with you. They can do all the sales. They can do the books and they can, they can help you out on the back end. That can cause a lot of conflict too. Trucking's already a hard job on marriages. Now imagine throwing in <laughs> that business aspect at home too. I mean, maybe it'll keep you together. Maybe it pulls you apart, but it's, it's a challenge. It's not that easy. It's just buying some idiot on TikTok's course. And now you're making a million dollars rolling of all things a box truck. Yeah, and what's stupid is like I, I'll retweet something like this and I'm like, this guy's a scam. And then I'll get comments saying, oh, no, 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 this guy's like really talking, speaking the truth. You know, let's hear him out. I'm like, okay, good luck. I, I, I can lead you to water, but, you know, I can't force you to drink. Have you seen, are there any good courses? Is there anyone like on this show I should like have on? Is anyone doing good work in that space? Um, not courses per se, but definitely like success stories. You know, yeah. um, you were talking about favorite logos earlier, uh, Jamie Hagan. You know, that's great uh, fleet owner story right there. G guys like him, follow his example. Hit him up. Ask him, hey, what did, I'm looking into going your path. Tell me what I need to know. Um, my skepticism with like most courses is if you are really like 
that busy and you were that crushing it, why are you not, why are you taking attention away from that where you're making millions of dollars exactly. to sell books? Like that tells me you're probably not that good or that successful at whatever this thing is that you're telling, and which is fine. Like a lot of times if you can't do, you teach, but these guys, yeah. when I see it, they got the whole vibe. Like not only are they super successful moving the truck, but that, like, it, it just seems super dishonest. Like I'm not saying putting a yeah. course out means you're not good at what you do. It just, it, it sometimes it's a red flag. Yeah, back in the, I mean, you're, we're about the same age. Remember the show In Living Color? Yeah. From the early 90s? There was a character on there, Lewis Simmons, and uh, Loomis Simmons, and he had that whole bit about make me rich. That character has completely gone from like the, the public consciousness. I'm trying to bring him back. I think once we have characters like that again, people can more easily point out these scam artists from a mile away. I just want that. I want that sock, like Homie the Clown has, so I can just pelt people over there. I'm going to bring that to like F3. Look out! You come to me, I'm hitting you over the head with a sock at F3. You want to get socked? No, I'll sock. No more cowbell, just going with a sock. Well, fuck wider. Cowbell could be yeah, that could be a liability. I don't know if I don't know if the powers that be would be happy with me if I just this thing already gets me enough trouble as it is. All right, speaking of trouble, this is like a crazy story that not a lot of people really talk about, although it could be. The largest jewelry heist in in U.S. history. Um, it happened a year ago yesterday. Bloomberg put this thing out and said, "What maybe one of the one of the biggest and play this so people can kind of get an idea. Play that tape in the background too. It'll kind of show you the scene. That yeah, that B-roll. Thank you. Uh, Bloomberg says, "What maybe one of the biggest jewelry heists ever is still a mystery. Stolen goods here, and the reason why it is, and we'll get into it, is it's worth either eight point seven million dollars or a hundred million dollars, depending on who you ask. Now it turns out that in Jewelry, Justin, we found out by reading uh, reading that report on Reddit by that jeweler that it turns when these people go to these jewel shows, they use these Brink trucks, but the declared value of their goods is really expensive. You know, $100 million expensive. And you have to pay that both in insurance and in freight costs to a company like Brinks. So what all these sellers do, because things are on consignment and like the margins aren't there until things are set, they completely underdeclare the value. They'll put it at like 10% of value to save. And Brinks knows like this happens, but like it's kind of this, un- it sounds like this unwritten thing. What happened here is these guys were at a show in San Mateo a year ago. Apparently there were some like, there, people were warned, right? That like they saw people with earpieces in and there was a couple sketchy characters around. So they warned all the drivers, something might happen. These two drivers, they like, ah, everything's fine, right? So they drive down to, where are they going? San Mateo. They made it down yep. to Los, basically the Los Angeles County line. It's 2 a.m. They stop. This driver says that, one of the guys out of service, so he's in the sleeper. He goes inside to eat at uh, the restaurant there, which I think is a Wendy's. He's in there for 27 minutes, comes back. The lock on the back of the truck is cut. And of the, what was it, 73 bags? Yeah, there were, there were 73 bags of jewelry, 100 pounds each. 24 of them were stolen. Justin, what do you think happened here? Just pure stupidity and guys not paying attention. I mean, they, they stopped right before the grapevine. They did – I'll give them credit. In the beginning, they did everything right. They, they drove 300 miles without stopping, so that you know, check mark right there. Um, the truck itself is not – there's not like a giant blinking neon sign saying, this is a Brinks truck, come rob me. Um, so kudos there. Didn't look like they really had a good place to park once they got there. You know, It's not a well-lit lot. It's, it's the pilot before you get to the grapevine. Um, but it's they definitely had been followed. These these guys were tracked. I mean, when you read those reports, um, there were already shitty characters that were kicked out of the show by security. Um, so I'm 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 kind of not quite leaning towards the inside job factor. It just sounds like these were like the perfect guys to be tracking and, and, and steal from. 
Yeah, I think what's created some of the murkiness on the inside job, job aspect is one of them, which is declared value. But that, that's more to do with the jeweler than these drivers. They're trying that jeweler is yeah. the one who's trying to like rip off Brinks. And like, I guess it's like this unsaid thing, but by not putting the right to clear, which is like, it, it seems so. I know you're saving on freight, but it seems so stupid to insure something at 10% of its value, especially jewelry. But maybe it would have been incredibly expensive to to yeah. have it at its its full value. Well, this, this happens all the time. They're, they're trying to save money on, on the shipping costs, but then. Once something goes wrong, guess who's holding the bag? Um, another interesting thing I thought too was Brinks's rules for when the driver is parked is if one if one guy leaves the truck, the other one has to be standing outside the truck guarding it. I don't know how that is going to work with you know DOT hours of service rules. You know you have to take a thirty minute break, um, so there's never one driver uh, getting a full ten hour stretch of a of a break if one of them has to be on on duty when the other one's uh, away from the truck. Well, that's where that's where the that's where some of the inside job stuff got gets the, the talk started picking up because the drivers in their initial talk to police, they completely and look, it could have been fog brain, whatever. They completely misquoted their time of leaving. They said they left at around midnight. Right. And they got to the which was impossible. If you look at that thing, they would have had to drive like 130 miles an hour in a semi truck to get <laughs> that distance in two hours because this happened at two in the morning. Um, but it plays into this guy's hours of service like rules because he says that he, he the reason why he's asleep, the reason the guy didn't wake him up, the reason nobody was on guard was because of hours of service. But it doesn't necessarily uh, it, add up. It, it, it sounds like they're trying to figure out who they want to be. Do they want to be in trouble with Brinks? Do they want to be in trouble with DOT? Do they want to be the ones having the fingers pointed at? So it, it's it's kind of like you try to keep everything that you did wrong as under the rug as you can. But when you start doing that, as things more and more things come out, the worst it starts looking for you. Um, now they, I, again, I, the rules that Brinks has for these drivers is, is just really weird. Um, also, do they not have ELDs? I, I didn't find that anywhere in the, in the article. Um, yeah. So still so many uh, questions a year later. And it's, they have, it's like the uh, Elizabeth Stewart Garden Museum. They have, like, no leads. They have no idea. Yeah. The only thing – and now it's just a, a, little, a fight between Brinks and this actual jeweler over the declared value. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, if I'm the judge in that case, here's your $9 million that you insured it for. And they and they took photos of the guys that they kicked out uh, of the jewelry show. Uh, show. So I, don't, I guess that there were no leads off of that? I don't know. Like, it – why isn't there more urgent? It just seems weird. There's not. Maybe there is behind the scenes, and you know the the FBI is keeping it close to their vest or whoever. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Could Still be fun Our, to speculate. <laughs> so, big issue always is is driver health, right? And Dr. Mark Manera, he put this out here. He said he talked. He just got off the phone with the driver, and this guy is like doing a, a science experiment to see how quick he can kill himself with type two diabetes or something. Yeah. Like what? It says this guy drinks two two liters of Mountain Dew, not even diet, like regular Mountain Dew. Smokes daily. A lot of drivers do. Can't get too hard on him there. Doesn't exercise. He and he eats Ben and Jerry's. There's like so much sugar here. That's like twenty seven tablespoons of sugar in those two Mountain Dews. Then like another five from the Ben and Jerry. He's only been trucking for three months. Yeah, that's insane. Um, I, I don't know how much longer this guy's going to be not just trucking, but just alive doing that. If he makes it a year, um, good luck. I'm really glad that Dr. Mark Manera is uh, working on him. Yeah, he needs the help. Well, Marcus said, he said, like, look, this guy's, he didn't call him a mess, but he said, like, obviously he's not mentally ready to make these changes, but the guy will, like, he'll exercise three times a week. So at least you can get him walk around the Love's parking lot for 20 minutes every other day. That's a lot better than. What he's doing, but like Mark wouldn't like if you can just convince him to get rid of at least one liter of of this soda, <laughs> this soda. There's so much sugar, so many calories. Yeah, no, just start walking. Um, a really fun thing I did last night, just as an experiment, was I just went on TikTok Live. Um, you know, we, Mike Lombard, friend of the show, uh, he and I 
talked in an hour went by. I did two miles without even thinking about it. I just did laps around my neighborhood. You can do laps around the, tr- uh, the truck lot. No problem. Can he can he carry his uh, two liter of Mountain Dew as he goes on the walk? Man, get one of those helmets or something. <laughs> he, he's got a, he's got a weighted vest. He can just strap those on there and, and uh, move along. You know, it's it's interesting when you, when you when you hang around people who are um, and this isn't everybody. Some people have glandular things, but there are a lot of times you'll hang out with people who are, who are like overweight and they're like, yeah, I never eat that much. And you watch them, and it's like, yeah, they're eating three meals a day, but like between every meal, they're buying like those big juices and like sugar. And it's like, dude, you're adding like four thousand calories. That's like that's like two pounds a week. Yeah, yeah. If if you're really trying to get serious about this stuff, get a calorie tracker app and put everything in it because there's things that you know you don't even think about i'm clearly not the picture of perfect health but when i was tracking this five six years ago and losing weight uh it really helps i'm I'm trying myself i'm trying to get back on track with this um but yeah get a get a macro tracker app put everything in there and weigh yourself daily well the good thing too with like the starting walking starting exercising and mark's putting them on at least the right track there is once you start doing that and you start feeling a little better and you, and you start seeing progress, it becomes yeah. easier to be more healthy because you don't want to. But the bad thing that can happen is like you can lose your taste for like sugar, salt, like sour pretty quick. But the problem is, and this happens to me, like I'll kick candy for like three weeks. And I'll grab a Sour Patch Kid and the demon wakes right back yeah. up inside you, man. It's raging and it just yeah. seems like nothing. You have to kind of demonize these things in your head a little bit. It's sort of like how I have to deal with alcohol. Like I can't drink. I have to be binary yeah. with it. I'm an alcoholic. I can't touch it. So I, I don't. Yeah, you have to you have to be a sugar alcoholic. You have to treat it like it's like it's alcohol, and you have to be disciplined. Um, there's a great quote by Jocko Willink I love called "Discipline equals freedom," and it's basically the motivation is not going to get you anywhere. It's, it's the discipline. You know, once you get a, a schedule, a rhythm, and stick to it, you're going to see the numbers, and that makes it even more. That's where the motivation comes from is is the discipline. Because once you start seeing results, it's like okay, I can do this. Let's keep going and see where it goes. Yeah. Let's have some zen. Let's look at how coal is okay. loaded. This is this is. Uh, I love looking at this. Luke Velasquez said oh, he yeah. just kept watching this over and over again on a loop. Here's some facts for you, though. If you didn't know, this, this is from the Association of American Railroads. There's thirteen thousand to fifteen thousand rail cars of coal loaded daily. So this boy has a long way to go here. Mm-hmm. Freight rails they account for around seventy percent of U.S. coal deliveries to power plants. When that rail strike was coming up, remember that came up big. The coal energy, the big problem that could cause for the country, and why there was such urgency there. One rail car, Justin. One rail car carries enough coal to power twenty homes for an entire year. Yeah. Now, when people talk about these rail strikes and they're like not worrying and saying, oh, don't worry, trucks will cover it. Good luck. Try to get a truck loaded like this as, as quickly as this real car can. It wouldn't happen. It was 3.4 no. million car loads of coal in 2022. That's these trains. 3.4 million. But here's the thing, too. The congestion. Five states basically produce coal. Five states are the major ones. So five states have 70% of coal production. So you're talking, like, if they went out, you'd have to reorganize all these drivers and driver pools and driver networks as well. And it would have been just a, a freaking nightmare. Yeah, they're just, logistically, they're just not set up for, for trucks. It's all trains. This guy here, we're talking. Remember, I was talking to the Fastener King. We, I wish he was here to see this video. Look at this. This thing looked like an ATAT walker falling down. Ugh. What is? It? Is that a gantry Gradually crane? Then suddenly. What is yeah, that thing? Yeah. yeah, it looks like. It, what happened here? Uh, poor. Well, it's Chinese lettering on the on the side there, so maybe not the greatest quality metal over there. A lot of stuff gets built cheap and quick. Um, there's many, many videos of like apartment buildings where people can just like punch through the wall and pull the rebar out. How close have you, let's look at high tension real quick. How close have you ever come to dying on the job? <laughs> you ever Not come in a situation this like that. Holy 
other other situations, but nothing dealing with uh, ropes. You never almost got like run over by your own truck or anything. Oh yeah, yeah, plenty of times. Dude, remember the guy or who other, was in or other cars? Who remember the actor in Green Room? He went to get his mail, and his SUV rolled into him against his gate and yeah. died. Dude, my brother-in-law had the exact same make and model car, and the same thing happened to him. His car just rolled away one day. Luckily, oh, but he, he didn't die. Near. No, 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 no. But yeah, if Justin, you have one of those Jeeps, sell it. Favorite freight logo? Oh, Hellbent Express. Hell, how about Express? Jamie Hagen, you're the goat. You got Hellbent Express. Hey, thank you for joining us, Justin. Find him at Super Trucker. Follow us on social media at FW What the Truck. TikTok everywhere you, TikTok, Twitter, wherever you hang out. Find me at Timothy Dooner. Everywhere as well. Subscribe to the show where we get podcasts. Go to our Freight Waves YouTube channel. Catch us there live or on demand. Take care. Don't be a stranger.